Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. This is Mark Joseph Bennett. Did I play music? I don't know. I haven't made that decision yet, but you guys already know the decision I made. I'll tell you one thing. If I did put in music, I put in Manish Boy by Muddy Waters, most likely. Because here's, I saw this fucking, you guys know I love the blues, right? If you don't, know it. I love the blues, both emotionally and the music. I love the blues. And uh, Muddy Waters is one of the greats of all time. So I was watching this thing because my boy, my 18-month-old boy, he loves the blues because I made him. I don't know. I don't know. It probably has something to do with my enthusiasm for that type of music. And it was one of the few things we'd let him watch on TV as I let him watch uh, live blues music, you know, so he can see the instruments and shit like that. So I'm sure that has something to do with it. And we also played blues when he was in the womb because we're fucking weird. All right. We're those people. We're those parents. I tried to do the reading thing to the baby, but that felt weird. Right. So I just figured if he heard my voice and he's gonna, you know, when he's in there, cause I, I don't shut up. I, what all, when I shut this microphone off, I continue talking, you know, it's just, you guys don't have to listen to it anymore. I just, I just keep on blabbing to whoever's around me, which is usually my wife and now my baby. So I used to talk a lot. My wife, of course, she speaks every now and again, you know, when I pause for a second so she can say, shut up. Would you shut up? I said, shut up. See? Huh? Title of the podcast. Any hoozles. Um... Well, see, we were really worried about the baby. Not to get real here, guys. Guys, can we get real here on the podcast? So the baby, like, we had some trouble, all right, with the baby. He um, he was a high-risk pregnancy. And uh, even before that, you know, we weren't exactly sure what was happening. My wife, she, she had a lot of uh, bleeding spells. She actually had to uh, be rushed, well, she rushed herself to the hospital after she was just in, ironically, she was in a baby store. No, not ironically, coincidentally. Let's use that term properly, shall we? She was in a baby store buying a present for someone else who had just had a baby, and um, she just started bleeding like crazy. Like, she had to run to the bathroom, and, like, her, she ruined her pants like that. Not to get graphic, guys. And I can say this shit because everything turned out fine. All right? I wouldn't be telling this story, right, if everything was bad. Everything turned out just fine. But we had, like, a lot of trouble like that with little Samer when he was in there. So we were worried about him 247. You know what I mean? And uh, occasionally he would stop moving. And that, of course, they were telling us, watch out for that. If the baby doesn't move uh, for periods of, I don't know, what, what the increments were for four hours, something like that. If my wife wasn't feeling the baby move, you know, for a three or four hour period of time, then then maybe it's something's wrong and you might have to bring him in. And since she's high risk, we were like, we were fucking on it. So um, I had noticed that when we played loud guitar music, like uh, Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan, the baby would move. He would, you know, uh, now we didn't know if he was enjoying it. Maybe he was just moving around like, guys, fucking turn that down, would you? Jesus Christ, someone's trying to sleep. 
But so I not only did I play that because I like that music, but also there were times when my wife was worried. She was like, I haven't felt him in a while. I'm like, well, fucking crank up the tunes. Let's get Stevie Ray Vaughan. Let's play some blues. And sure enough, you know, I'd fucking put that little Bluetooth speaker right next to the baby. Probably give him all kinds of waves that, that are unhealthy. But the Bluetooth speaker, I would put it right, and then I, I'd, I'd turn it up, and he'd fucking flip over. He'd start, like, banging on the ceiling. Like, woo! Fucking this place is a-rocking in here! Now, so, um, made me like the blues even more. And then when he came out, the fact that he loves that music, I just, it feels good now. It feels like I wasn't bothering him at the time, you know? And, uh, and because of that, now he has great taste in music. He really does. Like it's, uh, it's not just in our heads, you know. Everybody thinks their baby's awesome, but our baby has good taste in music. I'll tell you that. My brother will turn on country. Like, and I don't mean Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash. I'm not talking about good country. I'm talking, he turns on bro country is what it's called. Many podcasts ago, I, I talked about the bro country and uh, the travesty of the human race that uh, bro country is. Travesty to the human race, I should say. And um, it's like, uh, I don't know, beers, girls, trucks. Literally, that's the songs have to be about those things. It's like, uh, you know, remember those movies that were made a while ago and they, it was like a group of people and you had to use, you had to only use available light that was in the room. You only, you only use the raw sound that you could record. So there was no music. There were these very stripped down movies done by Europeans or something. It'd be nice if I could remember what, what I'm fucking talking about. I should look stuff up. I should look stuff up, but I'm not gonna. Ignorance! Big part of this podcast is the ignorance. But uh, it was this group of filmmakers, and um, was Werner Herzog one of them? I think he might have been. Anyway, who gives a shit? The point is... That it is a uh, that bro country is about those p- specific shit. It's unlike those European filmmakers uh, who are trying to do something authentic. Bro country is the exact opposite. They follow a structure and rules, but it's the most inauthentic music ever. Anyway, my brother's playing this, you know, figuring my baby is gonna start dancing to it like he dances to his favorite music, and no, sir. He gave him the old stone-cold locked knees. He wasn't moving an inch. He's like, you turn this shit off right fucking now. You turn off this Blake Shelton son of a bitch, and you turn on some goddamn blues music. He didn't say that, but that's what he said with his eyes. That's what his eyes said. And uh, anyways, the reason I'm talking about Muddy is that um, the Rolling Stones... And for those of you who don't know, fucking Rolling Stones, I tell you what. You talk about authentic. You talk about the real deal. These fucking guys, they were, they, they were blues aficionados. They loved the blues. They grew up on the blues. They played that shit. The, the guys in England, it was this weird thing. Um, the blues wasn't very popular in the United States at the time, as far as I remember, in like the 60s. And, uh, but then all these guys in Britain 
they just, like Eric Clapton and the Stones and these guys, they were obsessed with American blues. So they started playing that shit because it's awesome. And then the whole world is like, hey, blues is great, you know. And the blues musicians in Chicago and Mississippi were like, yeah, we fucking know. We were, we were always awesome. You guys just stopped listening. Luckily, luckily they saved the day over there in England. Now that we have, now we have the blues. We have the blues. It's still going strong. And um, so the Rolling Stones, right? I'm watching, I'm watching some YouTube videos with the boy for blues music. And it just, you know, YouTube did just play a video you think you'll like next. So they were right. Right on the money with that. Way to go, Google. Profiled me to a T. You knew exactly what I wanted to see, even though I didn't know it. Scary. Really. Terrifying. But you were correct. I wonder what I'll like next. So they play something I had never even heard of. Didn't know what happened. The Rolling Stones were on this big-ass American tour in I don't know what it was. The late 70s? Something like that. All I know is Mick Jagger is wearing a full-on like Adidas tracksuit, bright red. It looked ridiculous. He probably should have chosen better clothing for this particular thing. So what happens is the Rolling Stones are blowing through Chicago, right? Doing their big worldwide tour, selling out stadiums. But they know motherfucking Muddy Waters is playing at Buddy Guy's, Buddy Guy's another genius blues man, uh, at Buddy Guy's club. Buddy Guy at the time owned a blues club. And Muddy Waters was performing there that night with his band. And the Rolling Stones, like the good boys that they are, the the wonderful students of the blues, when they found out Muddy Waters was playing at Buddy Guy's Club, they were like, we, we're fucking going. We're fucking going to that fucking shit. And they did. They went down. They sat at the front table. All right? I'm just uh, feeling a little awkward. Someone's passing me right now in the car while I'm on the microphone. Oh, the Prius recording studio. Oh, God damn it. It can be awkward at times. It's all right now. He's gone. So, um, Rolling Stones, sitting in the front row. Muddy Waters. Don't, you can't, you can't pull the wool over an old blues man's eyes. All right? You don't think he knows who those guys are? And he knows that they have the chops. He knows that they have paid their dues and they have the respect. So what does he do? From stage, he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Rolling Stones in the house. Let's get Mick. Come on up here and sing a song. And so Mick Jagger, drunk as fuck, gets up and starts singing with Muddy Waters. Of course, he knows Muddy Waters songs. He knows the tunes, man. And they start fucking hammering out. And that's not enough for Muddy. That's not enough. So then he goes, let's get Keith. Where's Keith? Let's get Keith up here. And that is Keith Richards. Let me tell you something. Maybe you guys only know current Keith Richards, who looks like a corpse. A corpse with a cigarette dangling out of his lips. But that guy, first of all, he's still cool. All right? Even for a corpse. Very cool. But back then, when he was still kind of young, 
Jesus H. Christ. Like, so when Muddy Waters calls him up on stage, Keith Richards, it's, it was hard to get to the stage from the table. Mick kind of had to shimmy his way through, you know. But, you know, Mick, he's, he's lithe. You know, he's, he's, he's slender. He's got, yeah, and he's got the moves. Mick could, Mick could just displace his hips if he needed to. So he, he got to go up on stage. But Keith, he's not about that. He just stood up on his chair, got on top of his table, and just walked across the tables and got on stage like a fucking boss. Cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Then he just held his arm out. I don't know to who or what. And then a guitar appeared. Someone just shoved a guitar in his hand. Who the fuck knows where it came from? Then he starts playing the blues with Muddy Waters. And then they get the whole band up. And the fucking thing, it it goes so well. And, of course, Buddy Guy, because he's uh, his club, it was set up that they would film and record what was going on as well. And thank Christ he did. So they have the whole thing in on video and and they have the audio. So they cleaned up some guy, cleaned up the audio in the video, and they released it like a couple years ago. So anyway, I saw it on YouTube. So you can go watch it on YouTube. You can also go buy the album. And it's fucking so like it turned into like a full, like a double length album of these fucking guys. And I tell you what, not only did it give me more respect for the Rolling Stones, and I already had a lot, all right? Uh, but it also made me jealous as shit to see people. Like, that's the thing, man, with these blues artists and, uh, and jazz as well. Um, but I'm more into the blues. These guys, they just fucking know their shit so well that they jam with other people. And they legitimately do. They're not like, hey, do you guys know Smoke on the Water? Okay. Dun, dun, dun. They don't just, you know, they just start playing. They're like, hey, F shop, 12 bar, let's go, motherfucker. And then they go. And they play. And they can they can all do it. And I just I thought to myself, Jesus Christ, if I was that good at anything, you know, and that for like the Rolling Stones just to be able to pop up on stage and do that shit. Just hey yeah, whoa, 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 where are you going with that? Okay, yeah, here we go. Well, that's the bridge. Here we are. Bam, 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 bam. Fucking unbelievable, right? It's like when I, I was in uh, New Orleans, I went to New Orleans with my wife before we had the child because, you know, got to do stuff before you have a kid because your life stops. No, but it does pause for a bit. I mean, you got a little baby, right? It's uh, You got to take care of that baby. Can't be taking that baby to a New Orleans blues club when he's three weeks old and uh, he doesn't sleep. I don't know. Maybe you can. We didn't. So we were there watching some blues guy. Uh, and just, he's like a local fucking guy. But my wife had looked up uh, musicians beforehand because she knew I love the blues. So she was like, hey, why don't we pick out a couple of people that we'll go see in the nighttime? Because um, that way we're not just guessing. And so we, we did. We looked up these guys and they were fucking awesome. So I showed up and it was better than I could have imagined. And I may have talked about it before, but when we show up to the club, there was nobody there. It was like 7 o'clock. They start in New Orleans. They, they play super early because they know there's a bunch of fucking white tourists like me and my wife going, I'd like to be in bed by 10. Is that okay? Could you guys just move up your, uh, your DM sessions to maybe noon? 
That would really help us out. Also, can we have reservations? Seat number two and three, please. Yeah. Like, that guy's going to be, he was going to be there playing all fucking night. All right? I forget the name of the band, and that makes me super angry right now. We bought their, we bought their album, their CD, compact disc. We bought that shit. We have nowhere to play it anymore, except, uh, except the Prius. Oddly enough, the Prius still has a CD player. Um, but I think his name, oh, fuck's sakes. I can't remember, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put this in the description, okay? I'll put it in the description in, in iTunes and where, wherever else, Google Play and SoundCloud and shit. I'm going to name the band in the description because I'm, da- I'm down in the basement of my building, guys. I don't have fucking internet, all right? So I can't tell you who it is, but these guys were so great. And then people start filing in out of the streets because they hear it as they walk past. And unlike myself and Sarah, who have planned out who we're going to see like fucking champs, these other people are just like, oh, let's see what happens. We'll go down to Bourbon Street and then we'll vomit and then we'll drink some more and then we'll vomit. They, uh, they're just passing by, but they hear this fucking blazing blues and they're like, I got to go in and see that. And they're right. And the place gets packed. And then these fucking cool-looking black dudes show up one by one, and they're carrying various cases. And then the guy, lead singer, the blues guy, who I will name in the description, he's nodding. He nods at uh, at like these guys one by one, and then they get up on stage. One guy, one guy gets up on stage with a keyboard, and he just starts fucking blasting out blues on the keyboard. And then this other kid, he gets up with a trumpet. And he just fucking starts tearing it down. I'm like, how? How do you know what to do? How do you know that shit? Like, it's not like they're all getting up going, hey, you guys know we are the world, let's play. They're just fucking playing, man. Jesus. And I think, you know, I think that's what Dave Chappelle is kind of trying to do right now. I don't know. It's just like every time I see Dave Chappelle doing um, stuff, he's like he's got John Mayer up on stage playing guitar with him. And or he invited Chris Rock to be on stage with him. Like not, I'll go do 20 minutes. Chris Rock will do 20 minutes. He like Chris Rock will be with me, you know. And, and you know, a lot of the comedy these days, it seems like like a lot of it is games, you know, and, and improv. And you like you, you can't just go to a regular comedy show. It seems anymore. It's uh, I mean, you can, but it seems what's getting more popular, at least in the in the uh, the groundswell of the young people, is they like themes and games and quirks and maybe the audience suggests um you know topics and then the comics riff on the topics or the comics are in a battle with each other or they they have to try to do complimentary comedy or to me it all seems a little bit more like improv but i i can see how it would be super fun if the comic was doing well and let me tell you something as an old fucking man it terrifies me and so when i'm watching the rolling stones do that and I'm watching Dave Chappelle, what he's doing. And then all the kids out there getting their, their, their shows. Like, there was a show last night that I did not go to uh, at the comedy bar here in Toronto. And I wanted to, but I was terrified. I was terrified of what I might see or, 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 or that they might ask me to participate. But it was that. It was um, comics go up with no material and do jokes uh, upon audience suggestions. And... Um, I'm like, I just, I don't know. Like, 
part of it is that's not what I wanted to do in comedy. Comedy is not exactly the same as the blues. You can't just jam, right? I mean, maybe you can, but that's not what I like. What I like is somebody, a well-thought-out bit, something clever, a, a turn of phrase, a surprise, um, a, a poignant statement, right? But I do see the other side of it, the spontaneous fun. But I am not that spontaneous, all right? But I got to tell you, I start to feel like I should be. You know, I, I'll be 40 in April, guys, 40 years old. You know, I'm not spontaneous. I'm not uh, not surprising. I don't live life. I'm structured. I need it to be structured. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta loosen up a little bit. It's hard to loosen up though when you, when you have crippling shame. You know, like if I if I go to one of those things and I don't blow it out of the water, you know, with with the sort of improv-y comedy, then I'll feel bad about myself for a great deal of time. So I don't want to do that. But maybe I, you know, sometimes you just, what, fucking let it go, man. Speaking of spontaneous and my lack of it, my wife said that to me. She said it to me uh, when we were watching her show. That's right, folks. She has a show. You always hear that. You know, my lady, she has a show. Normally, it doesn't happen with me and Sarah. First of all, I do most of the TV watching, and I'm happy with it. Like that. I like that. It's a, it's good. Nice to have the monopoly. She's not not a big fan of a lot of TV, but sometimes she'll sit down and watch a show with me. You know, she watched Mr. Robot, Breaking Bad. You know, um, Mad Men. You know, she'll she'll she seems to really appreciate the good TV, and I like that about her. Once in a while, guys. Once in a while, she goes off the rails. All right, and uh, like she was watching Dancing with the Stars. For, for quite a while uh, and then so you think you can dance and I get that you know there's a skill involved dancing etc etc um, so I got sucked into watching that because here's the thing guys I love TV alright I've always loved it I think I'll always love it and um, so if somebody's willing to watch TV with me I'll put up with a lot of shit I will get into whatever you're watching just to have people watching TV next to me so, oh, you're going to watch this dancing show? All right, let's see. I'll, I'll try to get into this. I mean, there are times, you know, I just can't do it. Um, Survivor, stuff like that. I can't watch it, man. Um, like it, it, Real Housewives of uh, Buttfuck Manitoba. You know, I just, I can't watch that shit. But my wife, she starts watching a program, okay? She has her story. And uh, it's This Is Us. She told me, because I went to do it, I did a week of shows. And then when I, I do a week of shows, sometimes I come back to a surprise. Sometimes she is, she's gotten into a show. And then I have to watch whatever show she's watching. And she said, hey, so I'm watching this new show now. And I think you'll really like it. And I said, please don't tell me it is This Is Us. And she was like, how did you know? I said, because I thought to myself, what is the most depressing fucking thing that I never want to see in my life? And it is This Is Us. And I knew it was depressing from commercials. I, I, for those of you who want to watch the show, this isn't any kind of spoiler, all right? You can, the commercials let you know that it's flashbacks. There's these triplets 
and they keep having flashbacks. Like the, the episodes are like half from the early '80s and half from present. And so the kids are kids in some flashbacks, grown up in the other part of the show. You get it, right? And their dad, who is this awesome dude, he dies when they're young. And uh, and I'm like, who in the fuck wants to watch that? This is us. And all the fucking commercials, they're playing this sad music. You know, something awful has happened. You know, oh, that busload. That busload of puppies is dead. This is us. And then the next commercial is, you were the one. You were the one that cut the brakes by accident. That's why the puppies died. This is us. This wouldn't have happened if your dad had stayed alive. This is us. I fucking never did I want to watch it. Now now I'm watching it. I I started watching it like episode... 13 or 14 of the first season and it's fucking oh my god it's worse than you could imagine it's so depressing but it's well done you know like it's not really it's not a shitty show that's the thing that's why I can kind of watch it is that it's it's well acted it's it's pretty well written you know it's got it's got good reviews wins a lot of awards but it's just why is everything going to be so fucking sad all right and I have a baby Guys, and I'm an awesome dude, just like Milo. I think that's the actor's real name, Milo something or other. I think he's named Jack on the show. Like I was saying to my to my wife, because the other day, my baby's just laughing his ass off at something I'm doing that is hilarious. Who knows what it is? It might have been the sneezing game. Uh, what's happened is uh, he loves hats, and he loves putting hats on people and stuffed animals. So... He was putting a hat on a stuffed animal, and he also loves when people uh, pretend to sneeze. Because in one of the books, Elmo sneezes. He thinks it's hilarious. It's a whole thing now. So I combined these two loves of his to create an ultimate love, which is when he puts a hat on a stuffed toy, I pretend the stuffed toy sneezes, and he shoots the hat across the room. And he's fucking, he loves it. He fucking loves it. And so I'm saying to my wife, thanks to your goddamn show, I feel like he likes me too much now and that I'm bound to die. You know? But what do you do? Be less of a good dad so that it's less tragic if you die? Right? That doesn't seem like a good solution. You know what would be better is if you were just a good dad and you weren't watching shows about how good dads die. How about that? But no, no. No, we got to what this is us. On this, this week, everyone gets cancer. Like everyone. Women, children, men, pussycats. Everyone has cancer. But the show does some good things, you know, like they talk about adoption a lot. Uh, they talk about, you know, and there's an overweight lady. She's really overweight on the show, and uh, she's a main character, and that's that's good, you know? That's uh, And they talk about it, you know, and they, but they do it in a fairly good way. However, I will say this. The overweight lady is a bit of a shithead, all right? I mean, I've only seen a couple episodes, so, but it's just that I think that they 
are saying because she's overweight that we are going to have more sympathy for her than we would someone else. And sure, sure, she seems to have, you know, she's got that extra problem of being overweight and having to go around society that way. But it's just she's also being a real shitty person a lot in the show. And I'm like, well, that no, I'm not giving you extra credit for being overweight. In fact, maybe, you know, you should be nicer. Maybe you should be nice if you if you walk around, you know, knowing that there's some prejudice against you. Maybe go that extra mile to put a smile on your face. Right. That's all I'm saying. Right. I'm the same. I'm kind of ugly. I don't walk around just with a chip on my shoulder going, hey, go fuck yourself. I'm awesome. You know, you just you be nicer. You don't be less nice. So I think the show is making too many assumptions. They're like, well, because she's overweight, uh, the audience is going to have sympathy for her. So it's okay if she acts like a huge asshole. Like, no. And I don't know. Or maybe they just want her to be an asshole. Maybe they have a problem with overweight people, and they're like, let's put an overweight person on the show, and then we'll make her an asshole, and the world will hate overweight people even more. (laughs) Ha ha. This is us. Right? I don't know. But yeah, with the adoption stuff, um, that's cool. Like in, in one of the episodes, I think they're talking about adopting an older kid, you know, because nobody really gives older kids a shot at adoption. And uh, that sounds like a nice thing to do, you know. I don't know. I'm going to keep watching it because, hey, it's TV and it's on. So might as well. My wife is actually hanging out today at the gym. My wife is going to the gym. And I'm not, I tell you, my, my muscles are atrophying, I think. They're just, they're turning into jelly. Like every day I wake up, I keep telling my wife, because I think it's, I keep saying it's related, related to my bone disease. Oh, I'm so tired all the time. I feel like my muscles, they're always throbbing. You know, like, I, like I'm super hungover or, uh, you know, like I just run a marathon or I was in a car accident. That's how I feel when I wake up. That's what I tell her. And she always says, stop complaining, which is very supportive. But um, I'm starting to think it's just because I'm not moving around a lot. You know, like with the kid, I don't go to the gym. I don't do whatever. And, you know, I'm not doing a lot of steps in the day. I'm like George Costanza, you know, with, with the summer of George, where, you, where he just didn't move all summer long. That's me now. And so everything feels like jelly on me. I've got to start going back to the gym. I mean, I did. I went Monday and Wednesday, but it's just I couldn't drag myself there this weekend. Now, my wife, she does. You know, she gets up at six o'clock in the morning with our boy. She goes to work all day and she comes home and on the weekend she goes to the gym. You know, that's just, I don't know. I attribute it to um, her having genetic uh, abilities above mine. That's what I say. I've got I've got osteoporosis, guys. I mean, I got the shorthand, the short stick here when it comes to the genetic lottery. But it's possible. It's possible what she's saying that I just complain a lot and we're all tired. But she goes out and does it. Maybe. Maybe that is the key. Maybe if you power through at the beginning, you're you're one of those people who has energy. I don't know. It's never happened for me. I'm going to get acupuncture. 
I'm going to get acupuncture. My my wife sees a banker, you know, because she is an adult. And um, this dude, he he apparently had big energy problems, even maybe worse than mine. He had like a sleep disorder. He, he wasn't getting rejuvenated sleep. So he would wake up from eight, eight hours of sleep and he could immediately go back to sleep. Or two hours later, he could go back to sleep. Apparently that was the test as to whether or not um, you have restful sleep is that how quickly you can get back to sleep at any random time. And let me tell you something. I would pass that motherfucking test in with flying colors. If what or fail it, whichever way you're looking at at the test. I could go to sleep right now, sitting here in the Prius recording studio. I could be asleep in five minutes. I could go up to bed, be asleep. And when I get up from my nap, I could go to sleep again. When I get up from, I will tell you, when I get up from eight hours of sleep, which is what I pretty much get these days, I play with the boy from about 9 to 12.30, and uh, then we both go to bed for two hours. But he's a baby. He's supposed to. And then I get up, and I'm still tired. And then I often fall asleep in the evening. So maybe I do have a sleep disorder. I don't know. All I know is that her banker, who has this sleep disorder... He had no energy, right? So he went, he went, worked high, uh, went high and low to find a solution. And finally, he got this lady to do acupuncture on him. And he says it's complete difference. He's a functioning human being again. So I don't fucking know how it works. I am not going to purport that I am some kind of, uh, you know, Chinese medicine guru. I don't know. I don't know if it has something to do with blood flow. I I don't know. Capillaries? I don't know. I'm just going to try it. And honest to God, if it helps, I will do it. I will stick those needles in my eyeballs. Whatever you need to do. Just let me be a person. Christ. You know, trying to... But my, my food is a little off. See, I was going to say with the adoption, you know, from the This Is Us thing... Uh, the, the adoption, the reason I was talking about my wife at the gym is that she was hanging out with, uh, a friend of hers and they adopted a baby and, um, they're trying to have a second kid now and they're trying to do it naturally. And, uh, we had a lot of trouble having the kid. So what I ended up doing was I was doing a vegan diet. So, and then I was taking a multivitamin and then I took L-carnitine. So if you're out there, if you're a lady listening and and you want to have a baby with a man and it's not happening or if you're a man thinking i don't know why i'm not having a baby i will say the first thing is take l carnitine i did a bunch of research you know back when we couldn't do it and fertility doctors we were seeing fertility doctors my wife is getting like fucking uh what's it called ivf is that the one anyway she get she was getting hormones injected into her and uh, all this shit you know, and most of it was probably my fault, like my problem. So uh, they won't tell you this, the doctors, because they can't, because it's not scientifically proven and yada, yada. But um, I just basically looked it up on some forums and then I checked some reviews on Amazon, Amazon.com. And just people buying this over the counter supplement, L carnitine, and uh, their swimmers got much, much healthier, right? The old jizz. I don't know why I'm being so polite about it. And um, I did it, and it worked. Like I, And I have, I have proof. 
I can fucking fax you to proof. You don't believe me? Just send me your fax number, guys. I will fax you that shit. I got uh I got one I got a bunch of tests going, yeah. Your um jizz is terrible. And it, it's lazy. <laughs> it complains about having poor genetics. It, it keeps yelling about some bone disease. No, but like they I literally there I had whatever problems you could have. I had them. And um morphology, you know, amount Swimming ability, all this shit. They were uh, they were trying. They really were trying. So when I did the L-carnitine, it fixed all the problems. It fixed them all. I have evidence. So call it anecdotal, but uh, I have it. You know, if they, I don't know how many times you need a study replicated to have it be scientific fact, but it worked for me. So if you're out there now, maybe the vegan diet. Uh, and and the the pills had something to do with it, uh, the the multivitamin. I just did that to cover my bases, you know. And I think that's one of the reasons I, I'm feeling bad right now. I'm not I'm not taking a multivitamin. I'm not really eating that healthy. I'm still we're still not eating meat, but I'm not going out of my way to eat a bunch of you know nutritious salads and uh, you know fruits and vegetables and like yeah, I've been eating a little too much junk food, you know, being the what are, what are they called junketarians? Little little too much of that shit. A little too much processed soy. You know what I mean? Time to get a little bit, little bit healthier. But um, the people who adopted, and what they did is uh, it was a uh, private adoption, you know? And um, I can say this. I'm not saying any names, right? And plus, they, they seem to speak freely about it. So they did a private adoption, which is somebody gets all knocked up, and they're like, I don't want this baby anymore. Well, I don't. I never wanted this baby. I'm a knocked up, but um, I will give it to uh, somebody if if somebody wants it. And of course, lots of people want babies. So, um, not just bad people. Good people also want babies. And these these two were very good people. And uh, but the thing is, and this. I'm trying to I th- trying to formulate a bit about it because me and my wife we were thinking about a similar thing. We were looking at adoption. We're looking at the private adoption, the public's adoptions. Uh, you know, the private adoption is the weirdest fucking thing because what you have is usually a teenage girl who doesn't want to have a baby, but she has many suitors. All right, like before, before she got pregnant. She had a pile of suitors. That's how she got pregnant. But now she's got a whole different crew of suitors. They are generally couples. And um, they are wooing this teenage girl. She interviews you. Like I was saying to Sarah, my wife, oh, man, if we can't have one naturally, I don't know if I can go through this. You know, like adoption agencies, they crawl through your business. There's no doubt about it. But then to have the extra thing of trying to impress a teenage girl. That's literally what you have to do. You have to wow a teenage girl into giving you her baby. Like, so we're watching, when we were doing the research on it, we're watching videos. People have put together, like, fucking fancy YouTube videos with music and and transitions and all kinds of just them doing awesome shit, you know? They're skydiving. They're on the roller coaster. You know, they're they're high fiving Obama. Like I don't know, 
I don't know how to impress a teenage girl. Like, what What do you do? Do you, you show up with Nicki Minaj? Who do, who do the kids like? So when I found out that you have to be, you have to put a package together and be interviewed by a teenage girl and your entire hopes and dreams for uh, having a family rest on how much you can impress this girl. I said, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can take it. The pressure, you know, and I'm a performer. I'm an entertainer. There's an extra level of you you couldn't get her. Yeah. Just you you bombed it, man. That, that other guy fucking standing ovation. You know, look at him. And you, you just you couldn't you couldn't come through in the clutch. You know, again, it's like I was talking about earlier in the podcast, man. That pressure. I I'm good with structure. I'm not good with uh you know having to wing it. And that's what you got to do in many situations. But look at that. The couple that I'm talking about, my wife's friends, they're great people and they're raising a great baby. Like they, they're doing a great job. The kid's fucking fantastic and they're fantastic. In fact, I had no idea that the kid was adopted. I, they were just two of the best parents I'd ever seen. And when my wife told me, that, I'm like, holy shit. Well, all right then. I guess it doesn't have to be your biological kid to to look like you're you're knocking it out of the park. So they um they want their second now, and that's why I got on the L carnitine thing because I told Sari, make sure you tell them that shit. You get on that L carnitine, all right? Your jizz will be super jizz, which is the name of the worst comic book ever, super jizz. But my wife actually suggested to her friend, she said, well, you know, if the girl did it before, you know, maybe. Maybe she'll do it again, you know? And I said, yeah, you just you just call her up. You're like, hey, you want to come out for some drinks? You know, just get her fucking boozed up. And then pick some handsome guy in the room and go, uh, hey, I think that guy likes you, right? Make sure that guy is on L-carnitine. Drop a couple L-carnitine into his beer. Oh, that'd be a news story, right? <laughs> Local couple drugs man gets lady drunk to have another kid. Hey, you know, whatever you got to do, whatever you got to do to get that perfect family. That's what I say. Go for it, everybody. And get don't be like me. This is what I'm going to say. Or be like future me. Because future me is going to be a little more laid back. I am getting more laid back in my older age. just because things matter less. All right. Being roughly 40, you just don't have the same level of anxiety because you're not out there in the world trying to prove yourself you're not out there trying to figure out who you are you know who you are you know but because of that sometimes you don't take you know the risks that you probably should they're not that's they're not even risks they're not even risks you shouldn't you just sometimes you don't go out and and let loose that's the best way to describe it you get set in your ways but i i'm gonna i'm gonna let loose all right, I'm going to be more relaxed, more engaged, more blues jamming, right? Jam, everybody. Jam with your friends. You know, you have a party. Don't 
Don't have any anxiety over it. My wife keeps talking about having my 40th birthday party. And I'm literally thinking, oh, we're going to play some games. And then because they always like to play like board games or say, and I'm like, oh, I got to do well at the game. No, just relax, man. You got to relax. All right. Jam sessions. That's what life's about. Rolling Stones know that. That's why they're still fucking kicking. That's why they're still out there doing music. Because they know it's about jamming, man. Connecting with other people. So be like future me. I'm assuming that future me is going to be way more laid back. And also go to the gym. Take some vitamins. Ah, adopt some kids. And uh, don't watch This Is Us. It's a good show, but don't watch it. All right? This is Mark Bennett. I said shut up. Good night.